Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, before we begin, we want to put out a quick content warning on the topics we'll be discussing. Some of them are definitely triggering, and of course, it is all mature. So please keep that in mind as you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Emotional Duct Tape, the podcast about grief and how we process it. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we are just like really smiley today. Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, I, just, <laughs> like I, I mean, have you met me? <laughs> I mean, but you know, like some days, you know, we just, we don't know what we're going to get. Not the, for any of us really like, I mean, the sun is shining here in Michigan, which is, it's still like 50 outside, but you know, I'm not going to. Oh no. It's cold. That's really? still really cold. It's May. It's unacceptable. <laughs> so how you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, very, very close to a job, I think. Um, had a very positive call today and, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm more than cautiously opti- optimistic. I'm just I'm waiting for the physical offer. That's what we need. We need to see the offer and then my, the rest of me can catch up and, and, you know, exhale. Um, but we're getting there core and I'm like really excited. Um, yeah. What's, what's new on your front? Nothing. I'm, I lead a very boring <laughs> life. It's, it's Cinco de Mayo. Uh, it is Cinco de Mayo. So tacos tonight, you know, that's, that's like joy right there. Mike, my, my I realize so much of my joy is like in food. Like I really should be a restaurateur at some point in my life, but you know. Hey, you know, maybe we can figure out how to connect grief and food. I mean, I eat my feelings. So does that, does that count? Well, the good news is not to give too many spoilers, but we are working with um, a potential guest and some coffee and stuff like that. We'll see what happens. Yes, yes. So not, not, not to give away too much, but you know, we're, we're making things happen. Um, so today uh, we have a, another special guest. All of our guests are special. Uh, they're so great, each one of them. And uh, this guest uh, saw on social media uh, and she has a really interesting story about her life and relationships and just what she's learned about grief um, along the way. So please welcome to the podcast, Kayla Christine. Hey guys. Hi Kayla, welcome. So, uh, first off, Kayla, you, um, I think have the record of having like the cutest kid of of our (laughs) guests because like, I thought my kid was good looking, but your kid is adorable. So, oh, thank you. I'm obsessed with her. (laughs) So, uh, as you should be (laughs) most, most definitely. I like, if you don't brag up your kid, like to an extreme degree, I mean, are you even parenting really at that point? Like, Everywhere I go, I'm like, look at my kid. Showing my phone off. Like, look at her. Oh, oh that's the well, best, though. But the, the best part of it, too, is when people tell you that you have a good looking kid. Like, because you, you, I mean, you love your kid. Your kid's like beautiful to you. But if someone's like, mm-hmm. hey, your kid's good looking, that's just the, uh, that's just the ice cream on top of the Sunday. You know? You're like, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I made so, that. <laughs> <laughs> I did all of it. I did all the hard work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the reason why you're here today is because um, there, there's just like, there's a little bit of, of, of relationship grief association with, uh, with, with your child's uh, biological father, because you're not together. And the relationship didn't really exist 
uh, once what your kid came in the picture. But there's also some grief that you've experienced in your life, you know, prior to that in growing up. So let's let's kind of start with that and then we'll kind of talk about how that's traveled along. Okay, yeah. So um when I grew up, my biological dad actually terminated his rights to me when I was around two years old. So I don't really remember him at all. Um, my mom was a single mom and she my grandma actually is really the one that raised me. She went away to college. Um, so it's my aunt, my grandma, and then my mom didn't really come home on the weekends very often. I don't really remember her at all until she met her now husband and we moved about, I think it's three hours to Louisville, Kentucky. And that's where I lived till I was 16 years old. I didn't have a good relationship with my stepdad. I had a really close relationship with my mom until, um, I was sexually assaulted. And from there, she kind of, I think her way of dealing with it was alcohol which turned to prescription pills that she was abusing um so then she i was punished i was grounded for being assaulted it just kind of snowballed from there until i was 16. um my aunt started learning about everything that happened to me when i went to her house for a vacation and i don't really know how this happened but she ended up talking my mom into letting me move in with her and her getting, my mom didn't sign over completely all of her rights, but um, I think it's called guardian at Leiden. I'm not hundred percent sure, but she signed over a lot of her rights to my aunt um, as long as I finished all my credits for high school. So at 16, I finished all my credits. My aunt took me in. I moved to West Virginia. It's about three and a half hours from Louisville um, where I learned my mom actually went and got my diploma for me and I couldn't go back to high school. So I was 16 starting college. Um, and then my mom got a lot worse with her alcohol. Um, it started becoming a lot more of a, it was an awful relationship. Um, she just caused me a lot of grief and a lot of trauma in my life. So I ultimately decided to sever that relationship and go on through there and we just haven't really connected that relationship again so so was your mom like so was your mom a teen mom then when you when she had you um she was 19 okay so that yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll still count that that's yeah. really young and or maybe she was 20 i don't know she was young 20s or 19 somewhere in there i don't remember the exact age but she was young that's that's a really hard thing to experience that young in your life and yeah um and then, you know, did not have the support the, of, you know, your biological father. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help at all. But um, so, yeah, so then you exist with with this knowledge that you have a mom that, you know, this is this person, but she's not really around. Um, thinking about when you were younger, like as someone, as someone so young, were you able to even acknowledge that grief, able, able to understand like that, that lack of that relationship? No, I don't think it hit me until uh, I was growing up and I was thinking of graduating college, my mom not being there, or um, one day, like when I had, when I wanted to have kids and she wouldn't be around, that's kind of thinking about future events. And when you're, you would want your mom there the most and she's not being there, that's when it kind of started to get to me. Mm, but when I was younger, it was just, kind of, I was in survival mode. I was just doing whatever I could to be okay through the day. It's kind of the scenario of like, you had to become the adult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So totally understand that. <laughs> and then, and then I didn't even realize you had a, a sexual assault. So that's that's mm-hmm. terrible. I'm really sorry that happened to you. Um, 
but yeah i'm sure that uh definitely sent you to a whole nother level of grief too because um that's something that's traumatic for anyone yeah especially with my mom not being there it was like having to and it, 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 it expounds because you know that's one of those things where you think my mom should be there for me for mm-hmm. you know and that that's of course like a, a thing we hope never happens but you're like i need i need support yeah so, and it's and it's yeah it's impressive that you recognize though that you know potentially like her like her way of handling it you know mm-hmm. of course it's hard enough to to be like okay like you're not helping me and you're making yourself worse but at least you were able to step back and say okay you know this has nothing to do with me i obviously did nothing wrong and this is just her way of coping with it unfortunately it just wasn't the right way of coping with it well part of me wonders too and i I don't know your mom i can't speak to her i can't sit here and ask her the questions but i would imagine too you know i it, it seems like it'd be easy to say that part of the reason why she spiraled so badly is because she that was like a, a touch point, a watershed moment where she realized how little she had been there for you. And maybe she's thinking to herself, you know, you know, maybe if I was a better mom, maybe I could have helped her, you know, you know, helped, helped save her from this, prevent her from it, you know? And, and so, but also too, I don't, like I said, I don't know your mom and I don't know really what was going on in her head. And she probably never told you what was going on in her head because she was no. too busy trying to respond to grief in, in really the wrong way. Yeah. I think a lot of it too. So I took like, it went to court and everything and she went to all the court courts and she heard in detail, like him talking when I went to do a CAC interview that was released. So my mom heard a lot of details that I refused to talk to her about. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine listening to what my daughter experienced and being okay going home. But also I think she took it because I got grounded for being assaulted. She said it was my fault and it didn't take, I mean, it took me years of therapy to understand like, this is not my fault. And, but at the time I didn't understand, like my mom's telling me it's my fault. I'm being grounded for being assaulted. This man was like 23 years old. I was 13. Like it was a very hard situation. And then I ended up coping in all the wrong ways. And I did a lot of self-injury. And then, I mean, (laughs) it took, I mean, now I am, um, five years clean of it, but it took me 13 to 21 years old of self-injury and therapy to finally something click in my head and be like, all this in my childhood was not my fault, but it, I mean, it took a lot, but. But that's really interesting too, because you think about, um, I mean, it's, it's clear as day probably for you now that it wasn't your fault, But it kind of goes back to that nature versus nurture thing too, like where, you know, the, the situation you're in, you know, where, where people, uh, you know, even, even your mom's response to like, you're grounded, this is your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that, that's a really, uh, a perceived idea, you know, uh, of, of response into grief. And sometimes it's a really old world way of thinking too you know like if you didn't dress mm-hmm. that way or if you didn't do this or do that you know that it's it's, it's like but now and now we're much more aware of it like we're a very woke <laughs> culture now because we're starting to listen to people and say like i believe you and um mm-hmm. jamie could probably speak more to that too because i'm just a male and she's a, you know you guys are, guys are girls together but i mean you know well you know i think what's what's striking me the most about this is that you know, you were saying that you did have at one point a very good relationship with your mother. So you, you know, hearing her say those things, you took that to heart. 
because yeah. that was somebody you trusted that somebody you believed she, you know, and so when you hear that, you think, okay, no, then it must be, it must mm-hmm. be true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we, as kids, we believe what our parents say to us. Yeah. Um, we don't know any better. And we also like, yeah, you trust them and things. And then, you know, I, I imagine that you also have this feeling of, you know, I mean, it's a great, it's a great loss. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but like, you also feel like in, in not having her through the milestones in your life, it's like, it's still, you still miss her and you still feel that connection, even though she mistreated you and you know you're you're smart enough and you have the wherewithal and you've learned that you know she probably didn't do any of it on purpose right that's the weird complexity with parents too because uh we talked about this before with you know jamie and i both lost our moms and um i don't have a relationship with my biological father but and it's hard because no matter how bad they treat you it's like they're still your parent and I don't, I don't know if you feel this way about your mom or anything but it's it's hard because you still you still have this this bond that you necessarily don't always want to have sometimes like I can admit that like, especially like I just wish I could be done with this you know and not exist with this person in my life but they're still your parent they still brought you into this world yeah and so it's it's complex I think I have a different I think I dealt with it. I don't know if this is the right or wrong way to deal with it, but I think with all the trauma she's um, done in my life, the best way for me to accept her addiction is that the person and the mom that I once knew and loved is gone. So my grieving process was more of like somebody passing than she's still alive and I'm grieving her being an addict. It's mm, I kind of had to change the way I dealt with everything to make myself okay because with her being an addict I always wanted to reach out and I always had hope and I could never accept that my mom has changed and even if she does become sober she still changed I had I was like holding on to the hope that she was going to be who she was and we were going to have our same relationship again so I think that's kind of how I had to deal with my mom's situation you ever think you'd be open to a relationship with her if she ever got herself clean I don't think so. Okay. I, I supposedly right now she's clean. I don't know. I ask some people, they say yes. Some people say no. Um, I think it would take, if I ever did have a relationship with her, I think it would take her recognizing what she did to me and whether she remembers it or not, because I know that she, you know, was an addict apologizing and just recognizing that she hurt me and, if she is sober right now, she's unable to do that. She says that I'm lying in my head and I'm believing my lies. So yeah. So she's not healed. It does not sound like she's healed. No, it it would take a lot on her part to get to the point in her life where I could have her in my life and my daughter's life and it be a healthy relationship because I'm just not willing to bring her back in and it just stir up everything all over again. Yeah, absolutely. And you're looking out for your, your daughter, which is yeah. hugely important. <laughs> That's like, not that this episode's about me because I keep talking, but, but like, I think like one of the, my biggest fears of processing is trying to integrate my biological father into my life mm-hmm. and just like trying to protect him from all that stuff. Um, and yeah. maybe, maybe it's over protecting. I don't know on my end, but um, anyways, so uh you know, you've, you're working to heal yourself from all this, this, this self-harm, this, 
this trauma you've gone through and then um, you get involved with a guy and you get pregnant. Yeah, uh, we were actually engaged. I never wanted kids. I swore up and down. I'd never be that person to have kids. Uh, People would tell me I changed my mind and I'd get super, super mad at them. I'd be like, no, like woman power. I don't have to have kids. <laughs> and um, we just like we got engaged and we decided to start trying for a family. And we got pregnant. And I remember this night specifically, we were laying in bed and he really, really wanted a boy. And I wanted a boy for him, but I didn't care. And I was like, what are you going to do if it's a girl? And he said that he wouldn't be excited anymore. And then he tried joking and laughing it off and just being like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But sure enough, we went to the ultrasound, found out we were having a little girl. And I just look over at his face and he just droops it in his hands. And you can just see the disappointment. And ever since then, he just started kind of withdrawing from the pregnancy. I mean, to the point where he almost didn't come to the baby shower. Like he stopped coming to appointments. He did come to the hospital. He did. Um, And then two months after we have her, he, I went on vacation with his mom and sister and he slept with another woman who was married and her husband caught them at the hotel together And then after he catches them, he comes and picks me up from the airport. We go home and everything's kind of off. Like he'd say he loved me when I said it first, but it was like it, it, he was disgruntled to say it, I guess is the Mm -hmm. best way to put it. And so finally it was like four or five days. It's my first week going to work, like a new job, first week dropping my daughter off. (sighs) I sit him down and I was like, you need to tell me what's going on. Like, what do you need? He's like, I need a break. You need to leave. So I left, I called his sister, who's my best friend at the time. And she's like, no, you need to go back. You guys are engaged. You don't, this is not how you handle your problems. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So I go back and he tells me, he's like, I don't want you guys here. Leave. Mm. So I leave. Um, I tell his mom, who was also like a best, like, I don't have a mom. She was like a second mom to me. And um, she, I get, I don't know what she said to him, but he tells me, or he texts me and he says that his mom basically called him a piece of shit and I need to come home. And I said, no. And I was like, I'll come home when you want me to come home. But you just told me to leave like an hour ago. Like I'm not coming back. And that was a Thursday that Monday I had to get a TB test for work. So I drop off my daughter. He, she was there for like an hour. I asked if he wanted to spend longer with her and he said, no, come get her. So I came and got her and I kept guessing. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, do you not love me anymore? Is there someone else? Did you cheat on me? And everything's like, no, I love you. I didn't cheat. I never do that. And just kept, I kept going down the line. And then finally I looked at him and I was like, are you, are you in love with me? And he has busted out crying. And I was like, no, I deserve to hear this come from your mouth. And I was like, if this is how you feel, I need to know. And mind you, a month ago, we were planning our wedding. Like yeah. we, like, this is just, it, I was mind blown. So mm-hmm. he just looks at me. He's like, how do I tell my best friend? I'm not in love with her anymore. Mm-hmm. We both cried and I just picked up my daughter and I left. So that was Monday, that following Saturday, he was supposed to get her for an overnight. He comes and picks her up. I sit him down. I was like, we need to talk about child support. We need to talk about custody arrangements. Like we need to work all this out. And then he tells me he wants to terminate his rights to my daughter. And he, the reason he fell in love with me is because he never wanted this life. He resents her. He doesn't want her. That's the worst mistake of his life. And that was in July. So July from September, he probably saw her three or four times for like 10 or 15 minutes at my house. Um, About like two weeks after he said he wanted to terminate his rights, I found out that he did cheat on me. 
Um, and then after September, he hasn't seen her. I get a text. I think I've had like three or four texts from him since then, but he doesn't ask to see her or anything. It's just been a, a whirlwind of events in the last year. <laughs> so, oh my wow, that's, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that, 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 that's like the short abridged version, I feel like. It is. It is. I shortened so, it up real good for y'all. No, you did a great job. So, I mean, like, so you hear that he wants to terminate his rights. Did that, like, mm -hmm. did that trigger you back to, like, your own your own life experience? Another, this is a generational thing now. Um, not at first. I think okay. at first I was, I was confused because I, I didn't know about the other woman yet. So uh, I was just so, like, I was trying to put pieces together in my head, just not understanding. And I don't think it was till the dust started to settle and people stopped checking in on me. And I was alone for once in my new home, looking at my daughter and I was more busting out crying. So I was like, I remember Father's Day at school. And like, I kept telling in like kindergarten and first grade, I kept telling my teachers, like, I don't have a dad. They're like, you have a dad. You might not, you just might not live with them. Like draw them a picture. And I was, I was so confused. I didn't understand. It's like, I don't have a dad. Mm -hmm. And I just bawled mm -hmm. for my baby girl because I never wanted to put that pain on her. Like I was having a baby with a man I thought I was going to have a family with, which thank God, like I have my boyfriend now and their relationship is the best thing I've ever seen. Like they're obsessed with each uh, other. So she'll uh, never have to deal with uh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. Yes. <laughs> but yes. as a time, I was just distraught for this poor baby who's so innocent and I was just picked, I was seeing her life through my eyes of what I had to deal with. And that of was really, course. really hard. Yeah. I mean, processing that, I, I just, yeah. I, you know, it's like, it's one thing to want something for ourselves and to have gone through it ourselves mm -hmm. and been strong and dealt with it. But then when you love somebody else, like, you know, like, I don't know, you just really, you want to take everything away from them. You, you want everything good for them. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's the hardest thing about being a parent, I think, is just is is knowing that this world is going to hurt them and uh -huh. that you can't do a damn thing about it. And like it's I mean, and you also don't want to be like a super overprotective parent either. You know, like you right. want them to experience life. You want them, you know, to have to, to be able to, you know, exist, you know, but then mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a really fine line. And God, that's that is really yeah. hard because that that's not only grief for you, for your life, for mourning what you expected of yourself. And also too, because you're realizing you, you probably, I mean, obviously you love your daughter. It's not like once you had her, it's like, it's not like you didn't want her anymore, right. but you know, when you're in your head for a while, you know, before you got pregnant, you were like, I don't want kids. Like, I'm, and I'm this cool. is one of my biggest fears. This is part of the reason I never wanted kids. Uh, Cause I grew up in this kind of life and granted, like I didn't even learn I had a dad until I learned how babies were made. And then I was like, Oh wait, really? I have a dad. Like that's when I learned about my dad, but I like, that I was terrified of it. I was like, I am never going to put a child through this. And then I have, I have my baby and I'm put her, well, I didn't, but ultimately she's going through everything I went through. And I remember all the questions, all my feelings, everything. And I'm like, this poor baby is going to, like, I know how she's going to feel one day. Mm. And that's, what's hard. So but maybe not. <laughs> I, mean I, hope, I hope not because my, like, I wish I could show videos on this podcast because my boyfriend, her, she likes him more than me. Like once he comes home, I'm chopped liver. She like crawls to him saying, daddy, freaking out. Doesn't let me put down. Oh yeah. She's obsessed with this man and their relationship is just so beautiful. But so I hope she doesn't go through what I did. 
Jamie, the videos are so adorable. Like, yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll have to put some on on the we'll have to get some from you to put on instagram and everything yeah it's so it. adorable but no yeah she total daddy's girl I, it's so fun oh, yeah. I, I laugh every time i watch them um uh. <laughs> so, so thinking about the relationship the, the the after you break up you know you're you're existing in this world you're with with your daughter you're kind mm-hmm. of probably feeling some isolation um like how how are you finding ways to cope with the grief around that? Like what what are you doing? Are you trying to go to therapy? Like what's going on? Um, I think I let myself feel everything I needed to feel. I get asked a lot how I moved on so quickly, and I think it's because I went through the stages of grief really fast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I mean I had to accept everything, go into survival mode, learn how to like have this baby and be by myself. And then I went through the anger phase pretty fast because five days after our breakup, he said he wanted to terminate his rights. And that quickly, it was like a switch because like, Mm -hmm. how can I love anyone who's going to say my child's the biggest mistake for them or they Mm -hmm. don't want her or, Mm -hmm. I mean, just so many things. And so for me, I just took everything in. I wrote down a lot of stuff. I would spend a lot of nights alone, just crying in my bed, trying to like go through every route of how this could have happened and just. I mean, I went through it for a while and I, I hit a lot of it on social media, which I regret doing. A lot of my followers now reach out to me and they ask me how I went through it so good. And like, you, just, it was so easy for you. You never cried. I'm like, no, I cried all the time. And I think more so is dealing with my grief from um, my dad giving me up and not having that relationship. I think that's what I mainly had to work through after the breakup, to be honest, because I never really dealt with that. I was always dealing with my mom and, um, I, I didn't go to therapy. I definitely want to, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this the other day that I think I definitely should get into therapy. Cause that's where a lot of my problems lie is what got brought up with my dad and my emotions there. Well, I think that's a good point too, because, um, on paper right now like and i mean in a lot of ways like your life is really good right now mm-hmm. like there there's the light at the end of the tunnel but still you st- you still have those re- residual bits of grief that you're like okay like this is still an issue for me yeah and, you know it's it's and we always say you know grief doesn't ever really stop but you know it's kind of therapy you know and the tools you take to process your grief are kind of what you use to combat the bad feelings when they show up yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely a wave. Grief comes in waves. For sure. And like, I I just, I like that you brought up that like you, you did allow yourself to feel a lot Mm -hmm. and you did allow yourself to process um, because, you know, like, but at the same time, there was that component of hiding things and pushing things down and you understandably, so you kind of had to, um, you know, for your daughter but at the same time, I think that's, you know, one of our biggest, I and mean, you can't really make mistakes in grief, but one of our biggest, you know, it can be a downfall for us is that we, you know, there are people like, like you and, and, and I know this is the way I processed like my grief with losing my mother is I didn't, I just kept going mm-hmm. and now it's really coming back to bite me in the ass. Yeah. Um, like I see, I, I find that it like, you know, like I still have like, I mean, even like in the past few days, I'm still having nightmares about her, which is crazy because we didn't fight in person, but we fight in my dreams all the time. And I think it's 
that's part of the fact that I, I didn't fully process. So like, I'm also seeking therapy and, um, trying to just get through that. Um, but you know, one of the tips that I have learned is writing things down. So I'm so glad mm-hmm. you wrote that up because, you know, um, sometimes we don't have the, we're not ready for therapy or we don't have the, you know, tools to, to get into therapy or the money or whatever it is. And, um, that's just like a really great way of letting it out. You know, oh, yeah. if you don't want to cry or you don't want to do or you want to cry and write. And, but I just, I think that's great. And it's, you know, yeah, it gets it out of your head. Cause we, we get in these spirals, right. With our yeah. thoughts. And sometimes if you just write it down, you're like, Oh, that's out now. Cool. <laughs> I did a lot of notes. I would write notes to people. So whenever I wanted to um, text my ex and I recognized it's because I was really angry. And a lot of it sent back because I was, I'm angry because you hurt my daughter and I know how my daughter's going to feel now. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing letters to him, my dad, even my mom, like, and I started compartmentalizing my anger and trying to understand why exactly I was angry or why exactly I was sad. Cause I mean, that, that situation itself is very traumatic, but if I could get to the root of why I feel that way, it helped me process it a lot better too. Yeah. That's a great, it's a great lesson. <laughs> really. really is. Then you get rid of everything. So no one else finds it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how long after all this happened, did you, did you meet your, your current, your current guy? I've actually known him for years. Okay. Um, we were best friends for a while and then we kind of drifted away when my ex and I started getting more serious. And then this is going to sound so bad. I get so much hate on this or social media, but it's already out there. Uh, the day we, my ex and I broke up, I messaged my boyfriend now and I just need comfort. He was my best friend. I remember calling him like bawling my eyes out over my ex, asking for advice. He was just someone I always ran to when I needed somebody. So I ran to him and we were, we remained friends for a few months after the breakup. And then I think when I healed myself from what I needed to heal with my ex, we kind of started forming a relationship and realizing that there's something there. Yeah. But so I think it's like three and a half years we've known each other now. I can't believe anybody would give you hate for that. I mean, you know, this oh. is this is a common scenario where you, you know, people bond through grief. Mm-hmm. I know that's true. Somebody came into my live this morning and told me I had a big forehead. He was like, "You're gorgeous," um, and then he was like, "Something about my big forehead," and I'm like, "I I've never been told I have a big forehead." Like, I it was so bizarre, and it was like so like so am I pretty or am I not pretty, sir? <laughs> it was just very weird. I just muted him and got rid of him. But anyway. Um. All that to say, you know, there is something that brings people together in grief. Mm-hmm. And just as much as you needed him, he wanted to do that for you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so I think it's a beautiful story. Fully support it. <laughs> but I also too, I mean, like the support system that you should traditionally have, your parents mm-hmm. wasn't there. So like, who? I mean, if someone wants to help you process your grief, who who's who's anybody to say like they're not you know they're not they don't fit the the mold of what what it should be um, right so you know your friends but after a while you start dating now i, I mm-hmm. i'm wondering um you know was there hesitation to get into a relationship with him because of what had been happening with with your ex and everything was i mean was was he pretty patient with you in terms of of knowing the hurt you had and all that yeah, I think we were more so scared of losing our friendship because we were so close. Um, I really 
it's it's like a light switch honestly it's hard for people to grasp but like once he said all those awful things about my daughter it was literally like a light because that was not our first issue we had a lot of issues in our relationship but when he says about my daughter it was really a flip of a switch for dealing with like the loss of our relationship once again I grieved him like I would if the person I thought he was passed like that's kind of I it's a pattern with people that I'm super close with that stuff like this happens to that's how I grieve and it's the best way for me to get past the situation um so I think a lot of the hesitancy was you know we did not have a healthy I don't even want to say co-parenting relationship because we didn't co-parent it was just like talk like when we talked it was just toxic it was awful so I think he was hesitant coming into a situation like that I had a two-month-old daughter what's time we were she was four months when we started dating I had a four-month-old daughter without a dad and I think that was where a lot of our hesitancy was and starting a new relationship losing a friendship and not knowing what's going on with my ex and if he's going to try and be a dad, if he's not, it was really weird for a while, but. Oh, but what a guy. We love this guy. Oh, oh, he's <laughs> amazing. I brag on him all the time. I was like, everyone needs a Daniel. That's what I tell people. <laughs> I'm like, you just need a Daniel and you'll be fine in your life. And he's, he's probably like a really nice guy, like really modest too. He, he's like, he's like, stop that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, no. Um, but oh, yeah. He keeps me level-headed. He's like, Kayla, just don't even get mad about it. It's not worth your time. Kayla, just don't even respond. I'm like, okay. But that's great too. So uh, what I what I love, so for, for my own story, biological father and mom never married, um, but my mom met this amazing guy when I was three years old and married him and he's my, he's my stepdad. But uh-huh. my life, the, the relationship I have with him, he is my dad. I call uh-huh. him dad. My, my son calls him papa. You know, that's like the relationship. So like, first off, I shout out to single moms. Like I always give all the single moms props because you're not a single mom, but you know what I mean? But like moms who are raising their kids, you know, untraditionally. And then, you know, shout outs to amazing stepdads because there's dynamics of, you know, like step parents and, you know, like the evil step parent, you know, it's like the Cinderella syndrome, you know, but they don't get enough love. They do a lot kids that are not they, biologically there they sure do my stepmother is um yeah i mean she's she's very important to me and um i mean there's just so much hope in this right mm-hmm. like you know like you were you were worried and rightfully so but as soon as you said like oh you know that like you had those concerns i immediately thought no way like somebody is going to love you guys you know both of you yeah. and it's gonna be fine and like look how fast it happened for you too like it's beautiful yeah I think that's where a lot of my trauma came back in with what I was terrified of because I don't have a good relationship with my stepdad like we don't speak either so I don't have my bio dad my bio mom or my stepdad my aunt who took me in we're super super close I see her almost every weekend but still like that parent aspect I was terrified I knew I knew that I was never become my mom but I was more terrified that now like I don't want history to repeat itself where I'm the only parent in her life when she deserves a dad because she did nothing wrong. She's innocent. She was two months old at the time. I mean, does, does your aunt get the grandma moniker then because she's been there and she's like your support system? Pretty much. Yeah. She doesn't want me called grandma, but she's still no. <laughs> she's grandma. Yeah. Well, you know, like people call it aunt, auntie, you know, or, or something. Yeah. Like that. so, I mean, that, that's great though. I love that so much. And I, what I what I really love about this story is that 
is that you just you come equipped like with so much life experience and i mean you're still pretty young you're early 20s right correct mm-hmm. okay so i mean so yeah, you, yeah you have all this this life experience that um while it did suck to have to go through like it's equipped you to not only handle your issues but also for when the time comes when you're when your daughter's like you know my real dad you know or you know what what whatever she might ask questions about that that she may be aware of you can kind of help her with that process yeah Um, which I think is really great because um I think I think it just makes you like a super mom in a way because (laughs) you know like like bake cookies but also like but also like you're you're like you know like the mom therapist you know it's kind of cool you know so you know how to to help navigate that and everything that's really special yeah. yeah, I think it'll help too. There's another child in the mix. Obviously, I only have one kid, but oh, he wow. has another kid that oh, wow. he also doesn't have a contact with. So she'll have her too. And she'll, she'll have a lot of support that I didn't have and getting through. I would argue that was probably one of the hardest things in my life because you feel abandoned by someone you don't even know and you don't know why. So it's, I love that she'll have multiple people. It's sad that she does in that sense that like all these, like someone else is abandoned by him and I've been through it, but I think in the end, it'll give her more tools than I had to work Oof. through it. Wild. That's wild. But, but it's cool. I mean, like, it's not cool, but the fact that the love you experienced in your life for a lot of things was conditional love. It was always based mm-hmm. on on this perception of who you were and what you were doing, you know, or or what you did do for somebody else. Um, but now she's set up to get that unconditional love and you're just turn cranking it to 11 just like <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna give you all the love all the support i mean jamie, oh, yeah. jamie think about how good that would feel like to have like that much support in a in a, in a family like that much yeah, i don't know what that what is i mean what is no, that i don't either I, <laughs> right? i'm just like i'm, I'm kind of like jealous of your kid because like that's, <laughs> that's just an amazing like i always i always tell my like i always jokingly say i'm jealous of the relationship my son has with his father because mm-hmm. like that's not what I have but like that's for you like like that's, right but she's just gonna it's something up, to be proud of yeah, yeah. she's gonna grow up just feeling so loved and so nurtured and supported and and validated and that's like the biggest thing I think just the validation mm-hmm. of life you know and saying yeah this is the situation in which right you can't change it but you can make it better yeah, yeah. This, was, this was the situation that of how you came into the world but your life is still going to be really rich and really good. So I, I love that. So kudos to you, Kayla. That's, that's just amazing. Yeah. Um, thanks. So on the podcast, we, we ask all of our guests. Now you, you listen to the podcast, so you know what I'm going to ask you is, <laughs> is uh, if you could finish the sentence grief is how would you finish it? I think of grief, like an ocean, honestly, you have your high tides, you have your low tides, you have the times like where there's a rip tide where you can't control it and you're going to get pulled back out and you're going to have to deal with things in your life that are 10 years old and you thought you were over and you're not. And it's just something you got to learn to deal with and kind of love at the same time. It's, it's kind of weird to say that, but I think um, life, there's these triggers and I, I'm religious, so I believe that God gives you these triggers so you can work through them in your own way. I think if I had everything in my life that was thrown on me at once and I had to deal with it all, I would have gone 
mentally insane. Mm-hmm. And so when I say that there's these riptides when, you know, everything happened with my ex, I got pulled in with my dad. If I would have had to deal with what happened with my dad, when I started learning about everything, I would not have been emotionally equipped to deal with it the way I am right now. Yes. So it's kind of how I think of grief. <laughs> no, that, that, that's really great. That's really true though. And, and I, I think it, I mean, religious person here too on this end. So I, I totally believe, you know, that, um, I don't necessarily believe the trope of if God can bring you to it, he can bring you through it. But I think that um, my personal belief is that, you know, that God is good in spite of the circumstances, not because of the circumstances. Does that make sense? I think he gives you the tools you need to get through stuff you never yeah. thought you'd be able to. That's a good point. There's, yes. there's a lot in my life I didn't think I was going to get over. And I have. It may have taken longer than it should have in some instances, but I got through it. So now the question is, when, when, when are we going to see a ring on that finger? You know, oh, Corey, <laughs> Daniel, you hear that? <laughs> we never cry, wink, but we wink, will, wink, you know, wink. we will uh, suggest proposals. We just got our first house together. We just got the keys on Monday. Hey, now There's that's a huge step. step. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're super excited. Well, oh, you guys, you're a family. You you made your your family. We did. It's so great. So so what else? What else? What is the future looking like right now? Your house, kid, great boyfriends, you know, are you, are you still in school right now? I'm in grad school right now. Yep. Oh, exciting. What are you studying? Uh, criminal justice administration. Awesome. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. I get done in December as of now with 4.0. So I'm hoping to graduate. Wow. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to keep in touch. Daniel, he wants me to stay at home mom. So I can have that GPA. Everybody needs a Daniel. Everyone needs a Daniel. I stand by that. That's amazing. Amazing. I love it so much. Well, Kayla, thank you for being on the show today for talking with us. Um, Just a, a really like, I know some days this a podcast can get really like heavy and you know the 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 happiness kind of comes at the end but I feel like this whole story was just really like even with the sad spots really feel good. So um I'm glad your story is I'm glad I'm glad you're on the light end of the tunnel, you know, so I, I Thank feel- you. Yeah, I always try and find hope with every situation. I love it. There's Thank always you. a reason for everything. That's yes. my mentality. There's a reason for everything. Yes. Everything happened, so I'd find my Daniel. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. We really yes. Thank it. you. Thank it's you a pleasure. And everyone, uh, we will uh, talk to you next time. Take it easy. Thanks, everybody. Bye.